Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing how you could use a positive attitude to improve your life in 2016. She will be sharing inspiring stories from their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Possible. Good morning, Amy. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. I'm really happy to be here, and this is such a great topic for us to discuss for the new year because just using the positive thinking we have within us, we can change our lives. Fantastic. How was your Christmas? I hope it was a merry one. Yes, it was. It's always a wonderful time of year. Wonderful, wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air, especially like you mentioned, we are ushering in the new year. Think Possible is a wonderful motivational read. Congratulations for that. I really love the artwork on the front cover of the book. Little cat looking in the mirror, and guess what? She's looking at herself as being the tiger. I love it. Yeah, I've always had that image in my mind, a little striped cat looking in the mirror and seeing a big tiger looking back and I thought it was the perfect image for a book about thinking possible. Why did Chicken Soup release Think Possible? It's really our sweet spot. Chicken Soup Mm -hmm. for the Soul gets so many great stories from ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences and have found within them strengths they didn't know they had, resilience, the ability to improve their lives with tools they already have in their minds, you know, their ability to think positively, to adopt a new perspective. And we had done a similar kind of book in the past called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive. And that was the best-selling book we've done in the last eight years. And I thought we really could do this again. And Mm -hmm. instead of Think Positive, we decided to go with Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Possible. You always manage to get wonderful, exciting people to be your co-authors. So how did Chicken Soup manage to get Deborah Norville to co-author this book? This is actually the third book we've done with Deborah, but she's never mm-hmm. been a co-author. She had written the foreword for two of our books in the past, both of them mm-hmm. about positive thinking. She wrote the foreword for Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, and she wrote the foreword for Chicken Soup for the Soul, Find Your Happiness, Mm-hmm. And I said to her, let's do one together this time. And so she was thrilled, and she and I read through hundreds of finalist stories together, and we yeah. jointly chose the stories that are in the book. And by the way, she's already signed up with me to be my co-author again on a book in 2016, a book about gratitude, which is one of her special areas of expertise. Fantastic. That sounds very interesting. Do you really think thinking of possibilities truly change one's life? Yeah, I think when you read this Chicken Soup for the Soul book about thinking possible, you'll actually read 101 examples that will prove to you that it's possible to change your life just by using positive thinking and having a positive attitude because 
you'll read story after story about people who weren't supposed to be able to do something, adopted a positive attitude, and went and totally nailed it. I mean, it's really amazing the power that we have within us. And when you read these stories, you will be inspired and realize that you can do the same thing. The nine chapters covered in the book really address all the areas of our life as being human beings. The chapter that grabbed me the most is, I mean, I can only speak for myself personally, is the fact that there's always that fear, that constant fear, like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough, or the fear of failure. Those are the kind of things that, to me personally, were the greatest obstacle of me doing something. I think most of us have a fear of failure and a fear that we're not good enough or that we don't deserve a certain good thing to happen to us, that other people deserve that happiness or that success, but we don't. And I think that this book addresses that, not just in the chapter that's called Facing Your Fears, but in general, you see people all of a sudden saying, oh, I do deserve to be happy. I do deserve to accomplish this goal. I do deserve to have this new life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's very inspiring for everybody because you really come away from this renewed and recharged and ready to right. go and do something new with your life. That's true. That leads me to what I love about Chapter 2, starting over, because it simply gives us the opportunity of getting up in the morning and starting a brand new day and knowing that there are possibilities, hope. Yeah, I mean, you can... And you can just choose to be a more positive person. It's amazing how just saying, I will now have a more positive attitude, just through practice, you can actually become that way. You can assign yourself a task. You know, I will find a silver lining every day in a cloud. Mm -hmm. Whatever the task is, you can assign it to yourself. And before you know it, that will become your natural way of being and you will have a sunnier personality. People will react to you differently when you're smiling, when you're upbeat, when you're thinking positively. And all of a sudden, more good things will be happening in your life because right. your your attitude really is like a boomerang. You send it out there and it will come right back at you. Mm-hmm. So true. Do you consider daydreaming the same as thinking possible? Oh, yeah. I think daydreaming is a really great thing because when you daydream, you're actually visualizing what's possible. And we have a lot of stories in the book by people who said, I'm going to visualize what's possible. I'm going to say it over and over to myself. I'm going to put pieces of paper up on my mirror telling me what's possible in my life, or I'm going to cut pictures out of magazines for things that I aspire to have or to be or places I aspire to go. And all of this daydreaming really does work because you start to make it part of yourself. And so daydreaming is completely legitimate. Now, I know mm-hmm. people will be listening to this and saying, you see, Mom, I told you. <laughs> All those daydreams when I was supposed to be listening to you know, my, my science teacher in seventh grade, those were really worthwhile. But there you, you know go. what? You, can't, you can really take your dreams, your daydreams and your sleeping dreams, and you can turn them into realities. So true, so true. How can someone choose to become a more positive person? Because to me, it is true that it's a choice, but then I do encounter people that over the years have mentioned to me, I'm just not strong enough. I know, and I think they really need to read this kind of story because I have found that the best way for people to learn is through hearing or reading the stories of other people. 
People learn the best through storytelling, right? It's the way that mankind has been passing on wisdom for thousands of years. People don't want to read a list of ways to be more positive. They want to read about something that actually happened to someone else. And I think whether you read our Chicken Soup for the Soul Think Possible book or you read other stories about people who showed inner strength, who found resilience within themselves, who found new capabilities that they didn't know they had, those true stories from regular people just like you will inspire you. And boy, wouldn't it be a great way to take somebody who's in your life who tends to be a little negative and turn them around by just giving them a book like this as a gift. And maybe they'll sit down and read some of these short stories and it will cause an epiphany for them. So true, so true. In your encounter with people, what is the number one factor that is stopping people from thinking possible? I think the number one reason that people stop trying is a fear of failure. Mm -hmm. They're afraid that if they try, they will fail. And that's kind of crazy because if you don't try, then you will fail 100% of the time, right? Right. You're guaranteed to, to never, ever succeed um, and there was a great story in the book, actually, by a guy who had a revelation one day when he didn't muster up the courage to ask a woman for her phone number. He wanted to ask her out on a date. And all of a sudden, he realized, well, rejection won't kill me. And so he came up with a new mantra, and his mantra was, the only way I can fail is if I don't try. And so he started trying everything, and he had been a pretty shy guy, he ended up just forcing himself. It's what I said. You can turn yourself (laughs) into a different person. He forced himself to always try to accept failure as something that showed him that he had tried. So failure became a Mm -hmm. positive. Like Mm -hmm. he tried and he failed. Well, that meant he tried, so he should pat himself on the back. And through this methodology, he ended up creating a great life for himself, and he even became a successful car salesman, this formerly shy Mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest impediment for everybody is fear of failure. But if you redefine it as you will fail 100% of the time if you don't try, and every time you try and fail, you pat yourself on the back, (laughs) it can really change how you run your life. I read Daryl's story, and I did not choose it simply because it really hit home too much because I grew up like that. I was like always afraid <laughs> to approach someone. What's interesting is that that's how I got into ballroom dancing because then Yeah, I'm that's a great way to approach of, oh. people. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you have and you have an organized activity, but I don't know <laughs> like over the holidays if you went to any parties and you know you're standing there and you don't know anybody yeah. and you have to just go yeah. up to somebody and start talking. Uh And you're afraid. You're afraid, oh, they won't talk to me. They'll just walk away. But then if you don't try, then you're just going to stand there alone the whole time. So you just have to force yourself to try. And the thing is, it's like pulling a Band-Aid off. (laughs) Once you try and you realize that the worst thing that can happen is you don't end up talking to that person, you say, oh, but if I hadn't tried, I definitely wouldn't be talking to anybody. So it is very, it is, it is really inspiring and I know yeah. it's helped me reading stories like this. It's, it's helped me to become more outgoing and more adventurous mm-hmm. and more willing to try and fail because yeah. sometimes you try and you succeed and, and that's mm-hmm. a great feeling. And then you realize, oh, I can do that again. 
what's good about the book is that the stories, the different ones that you guys have really organized it in the different chapters, there are so many stories that you can relate to at different times in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Deborah, Deborah wrote about um, how you can deliberately do this in her mm-hmm. introduction to the book. Yeah. Yeah. Because she wrote about, and it's what I've been saying to you already today, you can deliberately decide that you're going to become a more positive person and you're going to use positive thinking. You can just assign it to yourself and say, I'm going right, to do right. it. And Deborah, in her introduction, because she's very good about explaining scientific research on these mm-hmm. topics, she said that researchers have found that when you just decide, I am going to accomplish this thing. I'm going to make it happen even though it's hard. Just the the act of deciding makes you more capable of doing it. Somehow your cognitive powers are enhanced. Um, you work differently with other people. Your mm-hmm. brain is empowered more when you just decide, I will do it. And you know, you've met people who they're like crazy. They decided they were going to run a marathon and they were 200 right. pounds overweight and they just decided, I will be running this marathon. And then they become like superhuman, and they do everything that they need to do to get to that point. And she said researchers have found that once you've actually decided on your action, you will actually be less likely to be derailed by doubts about it because you've decided in your mind that you are going to do it. And it really does work. It really does work to say, I will do this thing on this date it changes your brain chemistry, and it actually makes you more capable of doing it. I guess it's important to get the people out of your life who will not be positive at that point, the naysayers. You need right. to shed those people and hang around with more positive people, right? So, so true. Um, And if you are a positive person, you will attract positive people anyway because mm-hmm. most people don't like to hang around naysayers or people who are negative. It's a downer. Mm-hmm. So true. Did you learn something special from the various stories? I think that these stories, I mean, the thing is, I edit these books and I choose the stories. And yet, even though I've been so involved in the creation of these stories from ground zero, the books still have such a positive impact on me. It's very interesting that you can actually create something yourself and still derive all of the benefit from it. And so when I you know, with Deborah chose these stories and then I edited them and I put them together. I found that my own resolve was increased and I became more powerful. And I've actually emerged from this book in a very productive, creative period of my life where I've just been like on steroids this, uh, the fourth <laughs> quarter of 2015, just getting so much done heading into 2016. And yeah. I think it's because these stories really got me revved up and got me to understand how much we're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've been like a bulldozer after putting together this Think Possible book. Very interesting. How can the readers use this book to help them plan for the new year? I think what you can do is, and this would be a fabulous New Year's resolution, you could just sit mm-hmm. down and say, These stories are short. I don't really have time to read a big, long book, but I can read 101 little pieces of a book. And I would just sit down and read one every single day. 
and see how it changes your life and how it helps you think through what you're doing in your life and gives you ideas for ways that you can use positive thinking to uh, advance your career, improve your relationships, improve your own health and fitness, and be happier. So that's what I would do. I would say read one story a day for 101 days, and you'll be amazed at what will happen. That's a wonderful recipe for living. (laughs) It is. 101 days, just read one story at a time. And no doubt in my mind, that will change your life. The stories are short. It will take you five minutes a day. One story a day for 101 days. That's fantastic. It's a wonderful recipe for living. I have selected several stories from the book as talking points, as usual, for us to talk about and highlight the stories. They are wonderful stories. The very first one from the very first chapter, Following Your Heart, and the title is Impossible by Deborah Novel. So Deborah is so wonderful about sharing her own life with our readers, and she always comes up with great personal stories for our books. And this story is about that song, Impossible, from Cinderella. And Deborah and her sisters grew up watching Cinderella on TV and then singing the Impossible song. And some of the lyrics are, it's impossible for a plain yellow pumpkin to become a golden carriage. It's impossible for a plain country bumpkin and a prince to join in marriage. And she said that those lyrics became like an anthem that she would sing to herself every time that an obstacle got in her way. And her dream wasn't to marry a handsome prince. Her dream was to be on television. Mm -hmm. And the first thing she did was she got an internship while she was in college, and she got it at a Georgia public television station. And she was so, you know, grateful to them for giving her that break And, of course, it turned into this fabulous career in television where she is a journalist. She is the host of Inside Edition, which has already celebrated its 20th anniversary. It's an award-winning show. She's in her late 50s, and she is still the host. And, you know, most women get kicked off television at a certain point, and she's still gorgeous and powerful and well-loved by her audience, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And so she said because she lived her whole life that way, she's always Mm. gravitated towards stories from people who refuse to accept someone else's, you know, lower expectations for their lives. And so that's why she was so excited to work on this book with me. Mm -hmm. Fabulous story about her success. One of the things that I got from her story is the fact that in such a competitive world of TV news, integrity is so important. And I think what she has done over the years with a news magazine TV show, she has always certainly, I mean, there are a lot of people around her that dictates that as well, but she is the host, so she does have a lot of weight on it. The information that they gave out were pretty much consistent is not something that you stretch the truth a little bit just to get audience. I think that's very important. And so having said that, if you look at the news today, whoever can get it out first. You're right. Deborah Norville has always been an ethical journalist. Um, And Inside Edition is interesting because it's a news magazine show. Mm -hmm. 
and they do show you know they do have segments about entertainment but she also has segments about really important things uh like she did you know a really nice segment on inside edition about this book and featured mm-hmm. some of the stories in it um and that's not gossip you know that's not about celebrities that's about real people that's right. having really interesting experiences and I love the fact that she did that, and that is what she's very interested in, and is exposing us to really awesome stories that have happened to real people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. The next story that I chose, it is from the same chapter, Following Your Heart, and I find that this is important about the chapter itself, Following Your Heart, because we have so much that we're always thinking about wanting to do, then we never follow through with it. So this next story is, the Good Deed by K.L. Worley. So this story is interesting because the whole following your heart theme is follow your heart, follow your passion, you know, go for those goals that you have, and also listen to your gut instinct. So she really embodies both of those ways of looking at the concept of following your heart because she was the first person in her family to even graduate from high school. And Um, and then she became the first person to go on to college. Her father was a painter. They, you know, had food on the table, but they didn't have any extras in their lives. Uh, She managed to get student loans and got into her, her local, you know, state college. But when she went to the orientation in July of, you know, the summer before she was Mm -hmm. to start, she just, it didn't feel right to her at all. She just couldn't imagine spending four years there And so she went to her parents, who were dumbfounded when she said, I'm really sorry, even though you arranged all those loans from me, I don't want to go to this college. And nowhere I really want to go, Dad. I want to go to the small college where you work as a painter. Her father was a freelance painter who had been painting this college for years, painted the the home of the college president. So then, unbeknownst to her, her father went to the college president and said, I know that employees get free tuition for their children at the college. And I know I've never been officially an employee, but I've been painting this college for 20 years as an outside Mm -hmm. employee. Could you treat me like an employee and give my daughter free tuition? And the college president said yes. And so she ended up going to this college, first in her family, then got a master's degree and uh, went on to have a very successful life. She is filled with gratitude for her father for making it possible and for this college president for bending the rules and letting her go to his college for free. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story. The most important thing for me was the fact that you have this very young lady who's so astute, so mature. I mean, it's the daughter that everybody wants to have <laughs> for having that kind of attitude in terms of hey, what's important is important and not the glamour. I'm not chasing after certain things because I'm chasing something that's in my heart that I want to do. And in the end, it became a family project. Yeah, it was great. It was a wonderful story in many different ways. And you're right. One of the nice sub-themes was the whole family working together to help her achieve her goal. Yeah, yeah. The next chapter is starting over. I love this chapter, too. And the story that I selected from this chapter is success is 
failure turned inside out. I thought this story is just wonderful by Paris Devon Edwards. So Paris was a really interesting guy. He was on the Miami University football team, which won the conference championship in December 2010. So he was on top of the world. He was expected to go to the NFL. Um, He was the first male to graduate from college in his family. And everyone expected him to end up on an NFL team, and he didn't get selected for any team. So he joined the Indoor Football League, um, one of those teams, but he didn't get to stay on the team. And he tried for three years to play football, and he couldn't even get on these minor league, you know, indoor teams. So Mm -hmm. he finally accepted that he wasn't going to be a pro football player. And he went and took the GRE to apply to grad school, but he didn't get into grad school either, so he had failed again. So he ended up at a factory working, you know, an assembly line job. It was a far cry from what he had expected to do. And then an old friend of his who was a firefighter told him what it's like to be a firefighter. And he realized, that's what I want to do, because it embodied the physical work the fitness, the heroism, all of the things that he had brought to the football field. He could bring those to being a firefighter. But becoming a firefighter is really, really hard. It is a coveted job. And every state has different certification requirements. In his state, it involved passing a rigorous written exam. Then you had to go through a thorough background check. Then he had to to do an oral interview, and then he had to take a physical test. And there were 1,300 people applying for 25 positions. But he made it all the way through, and he got chosen to be a firefighter. And so his story is all about coming back from three failures, right? The failure to get on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. an NFL team, the failure to even stay in the indoor football league, the failure to get into grad school, and then uh, against overwhelming odds, 25 people chosen from 1,300 applicants, he got the firefighter position. And now he's set for life as a firefighter, and he has his dream job. And I thought that was very inspirational, especially for people who have been through failures, to read about this guy who kept trying and came out with the best job of all, and one that will last a lot longer than being an NFL player. That's right. One of the paragraphs that I love in his story is, there were only three things I would not give up. Reading my Bible, going to the gym, and going to church. To me, he was a focused young man. He knows what he wants. It's a matter of timing. If you try it, and you believe that something good will happen. And most importantly, he fulfilled his passion of being a leader, the passion of conquering something much more difficult. I say this respectfully. I mean, being an athlete is very difficult. A lot of times we don't give credit to the first responders, the firefighters. We're thinking that, well, you know, do they really work? How many times do we have emergencies going on? <laughs> but when they call to duty, everything changed because they have to be in their top game when they do that, when they respond. Oh, yeah. They work really hard to be ready for those days, and they go through huge amounts of training and testing. Uh, They all have a lot of medical skills. It's Mm -hmm. a very important job. The people I know who are firefighters have really worked hard 
to attain yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm so glad that uh, you had the story in here because, like I say again, I mean, we only hear about these guys when something bad happened. But when life is good, nobody hears about them. They're in the background. That is true. The next chapter is Overcoming Adversity, The Tale of Tabby by Tammy Zaluni. So Tammy's story Mm -hmm. really shows us that we can learn a lot from animals as well. She was working at a shelter, and this really old, emaciated, blind, and virtually hairless Cocker Spaniel was brought in. (laughs) This poor thing. I mean, it was so sad. And they, you know, started treating her and trying to um, save her life. And they realized she was deaf as well as blind. So this little blind, deaf, emaciated, sickly, abandoned, elderly dog became like the staff favorite, and they didn't put her out in the shelter cages with the other dogs. They kept her separately, you know, with this in the staff area. Mm-hmm. And this little blind deaf dog learned her way around, would sidle along the walls, you know, feeling her way. She got to know the different staff members, maybe by smell, and so because she was blind and deaf, but she had certain favorites and she would bark until they greeted her when they would show up at work each day. And they never expected anyone to adopt her. But then a family came to adopt a dog and the family included a special needs child who had a lot of seizures. And this child said, I want this Cocker Spaniel. He wanted the special needs dog. And they thought it wasn't going to be a good fit at all. Well, it turned out that This little Cocker Spaniel could sense when the little boy was going to have seizures. Mm -hmm. And first of all, by taking the dog home and letting the dog be with the little boy, the boy's seizures went down dramatically. He went two whole weeks without a single seizure after having had them several times a day. And then when his seizures did come back, the dog, the blind, deaf, elderly dog, would warn him ahead of each seizure so that he could get himself into a comfortable position and be ready for it. So it completely changed his life. And they were together for the next two years until she died at the age of 16. But it was a very heartwarming story. And I have, I really loved it also because we're very um, conscious here at mm-hmm. Chicken Soup for the Soul of all of the wonderful dogs and cats that are I hate to use the term euthanized because that sounds so nice, but the dogs who are put down every year at shelters because there just aren't enough adoptions to take them all. And so I love reading a story about a dog that looked like it was completely completely worthless that ended up being an amazing service dog that somebody was brave enough to adopt from a shelter. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. I chose that story simply because I've read about dogs having special senses to be service dogs, and I thought this particular one is like, this is really, really exciting. Like you were talking about, like somehow the dog can sense seizure coming in. We take things for granted. When we look at families that have dogs, there's something special about it. If we pay attention, the dogs can really pick up different senses that we don't have. Yeah, they do have a lot of skills that we don't have. And there are a lot of dogs that are being used as seizure dogs now because Mm -hmm. they will warn the person that he or she is about to have a seizure, if they're larger dogs, they'll actually press up against the person and keep them from, say, falling off a bed or whatever. They'll press up against them and keep them 
in yeah. place and also calm them. Um, yeah. Yeah, seizure alert dogs have become a whole new branch of service dogs. And I have read so many stories about shelter dogs that became seizure mm-hmm. alert dogs. They just mm-hmm. had that natural ability. Very interesting. The next chapter is Proving That Persistence Pays, Whatever It Takes by Lorraine Canistra. Lorraine is a regular writer for us. She has cerebral palsy. She's in a wheelchair. She's a fabulous writer, um, a fabulous individual who gets a lot of things done in life. Um, She has a dog uh, who helps her. She has a service dog. And This particular story from Lorraine is about how when she was a kid, she saw the wheelchair division of the Boston Marathon on television, and she said to herself, I'm going to do that one day. And uh, as an adult, she did it. She went went to a marathon where they said, look, we're going to let you start at midnight, um, and we're going to find you a course that's flatter and that will keep you away from the traffic at night, because she had to start at midnight so she could get done around noon when the regular marathoners were getting done and she did it but she said after just 10 miles she was so fatigued she didn't know if she could keep going and then the story basically will bring tears to your eyes because she had blisters on her hands uh she was having spasms and she was urged on by her family members and by the crowd and by mile 20 her dad drove a car in front of her. So he would drive the car about 500 feet in front of her, get out and say, just come to me, Lorraine. Then when she was 10 feet away, he'd get back in the car, go forward another 500 feet, then say, just come to me, 500 more feet. And they did that over and over and over and over again until she got into the stadium where the finish line was, and she only had two-tenths of a mile left. Mm -hmm. And then the crowd started roaring for her. And she made it. Her goal had been to finish the marathon in less than 12 hours. And she made it with two minutes to spare. And she got a new sense of confidence from that. And she has felt ever since that anything she put her mind, puts her mind to, she can accomplish. Right. It's just a totally awesome story. I can't even imagine running a 5K much less <laughs> What she did. I know. She does a marathon in a wheelchair. Yeah, I know. It's phenomenal. That's all I could say. (laughs) The next chapter is Facing Your Fears, The Pivotal Moment by DJ Morhat. So this story is actually really, really funny. It's about this girl in Canada who through a bizarre set of circumstances and the fact that she loves this Helen Page movie called Whip It about roller derby, ends Mm -hmm. up joining her local roller derby at age 18. And she doesn't know why. She hasn't skated since she was four years old. She's never been on a team before. Um, She doesn't think she's a particularly good athlete. She had dislocated her knee skiing a year and a half earlier, but she went and joined this roller derby team and ended up being a professional roller derby skater. And she recounts um, an incident one day where she was lying on the track track after getting hit by this huge girl and just lay there thinking, I'm insane. I don't know why I did this. Everything hurts. I think I tore my shoulder just now. And then she said to herself, I have a choice. 
one choice is I could give up. I could lie down on this track and then I could quit the team and I could never do this crazy thing again. Or I could choose to get up, forget the pain in my shoulder and get back, you know, in the game and continue mm-hmm. skating. And so she chose choice number two and kept going. And I just thought, you know, she did this crazy thing, roller derby. That's really scary. <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was a good inspirational story on the lighter side. So when you're reading that on uh, one of your 101 days of reading stories in the book, that will be day 46 because it's story 46, and that will be the day you get to be inspired but also laugh a bit. (laughs) It's a beautiful story, and I think, again, it comes back to the idea of our personal commitment in terms of overcoming certain fears in our life. And then as we just bulldoze through it, And then you always look back and you say, you know, that was cool. It's always funny looking backwards. (laughs) And you can have a sense of humor to what you've accomplished. So it's a wonderful, beautiful story. There's another story in the same chapter that I thought was really, really cool. Facing Your Fears, again, that's the chapter. And the title of the story is Pole Pole by Rachel Printy. So Rachel was in college, and she decided to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, which is not Mount Everest, but it's pretty big, and it's a pretty big deal climb to do this. And so she trained, and then she was actually on the day when she needed to make the ascent, and she had um, you know, a guide with her who kept saying pole pole to her, which is a Swahili word, that basically translates to slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. And so she talks about how she starts off at night uh, because you have to get up and down before the sun comes out and melts the snow and causes avalanche danger. And she said she had spent most of her life making cautious, predictable choices. And then she just decided she was going to do something really challenging that she was very fearful of doing. And that's why she decided to do Mount Kilimanjaro. And so she takes us through that day and all of the different times that she wanted to give up because it was freezing cold and windy and icy up on top of that mountain. And finally, she gets to the top and, you know, it's just awesome that she has made it. And now she says that the shackles of fear and doubt have fallen off her and she knows she can do anything she wants in her life pole pole style, just putting one foot in front of the other, (laughs) slow and steady, winning the race. One of the things that I like about Chicken Soup is that you guys always have put a wonderful motivational quote for each story. And for this particular story, you have chosen Dwight D. Eisenhower's words, for every obstacle there is a solution. Persistent is the key. The greatest mistake is giving up. Yeah, and probably we'll have a thousand people who read that story who don't give up on something they're in the middle of, and we will have really helped change people's lives. So that makes me very happy. Wonderful. The next chapter is Rising to the Challenge, The Breakthrough by Sharon Spurgeon. So this is another example of overcoming your fear of failure doing something completely outside of your normal life and just going for it and then feeling so good about yourself when you're done. And what Sharon did was she wasn't very athletic. She was 
um, an attorney. She wasn't in good shape. She never had been good at sports. She felt awkward. She felt like she was too short and too fat. And a friend talked her into doing taekwondo. And so she started going to the classes. She started advancing through the various belt colors until the day came when she had to break a wood board. And she thought, well, this is it. I can never, ever, ever do this. And then she she takes us through her whole thought process, and we're we're reading the story and living with her, you know, <laughs> that moment, waiting to see if she can pull it off. And sure enough, at the end of the story, she kicks that board, she breaks it, and she feels like she's capable of doing anything now. It's a wonderful story. I chose this story because I am a master of Tang Tzu so I thought, this is a wonderful story for all those martial artists that are starting out at the white belt level. And this will motivate you. This is a beautiful story. And also the quote that goes with this story is very, very important. Martial arts is not about fighting. It is about building character by Bo Bennett. Yeah, that's true. And I like the story a lot. And I like that quote a lot because my son did uh, karate as a kid and got his black mm-hmm. belt. And I saw how safe that sport was and how the instructor yeah. made sure that the kids never hurt each other and how the whole thing was based on respect. And it taught them not to be fighters at all, but to be lovers of peace. But at least they had within them the ability to handle fights if they came up. And I know at one point my son went and protected somebody who was being mm-hmm. attacked by someone else using his black belt karate skills. He was able to protect another kid who was being victimized. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. The next chapter is Getting On With Life. It's a cute title. I love it. <laughs> All Things Possible by Catherine Cake. Okay, this is one of the most mind-blowing stories in the book, um, and unfortunately, very, very relevant to what mm-hmm. went on in this country in 2015 and 2014 and 2013, and doesn't seem to be getting any better. Yeah. Um, in this story, Catherine talks about the fact that she had a brother who was mentally ill, alcoholic, angry at the world, very scary. She even started sleeping in her own bed with her feet up at the pillow and her head down at the foot of the bed in case he came and shot through her bedroom window and tried to kill her. I mean, she was really frightened of her brother, but she didn't know how bad it was until the police came to her one day and said that he had been one of those shooters. He went to a mall and shot a whole bunch of people. Um, It was one of those suicide-by-cop situations where he Mm -hmm. wanted the police to shoot him, but he went and shot a lot of other people first. So she went and did a press conference talking about how horrible she felt, you know, how the family felt horrible that it was their family member who had done this. Um, And the mother of a young woman who had been killed that day contacted her a few months later and said, I'd like to get to know you. And they met and they cried and they hugged and they talked and they became really good friends. The mother of one of the victims became really good friends with the sister of the shooter. And they're still really good friends to this day. And in fact, 
the story we're talking about is by the sister of the shooter. We also have a story in the book mm-hmm. by the mother of the girl who was killed in the mall parking lot by this crazy man. So this this story is all about how they went on to jointly do public speaking, television interviews, etc., talking about the power of forgiveness, how they used forgiveness to move forward with their lives, and they have helped other people with their grief um, for their own losses. So it's a very powerful story about a very relevant topic. I'm so glad you brought up the story by Caroline Noble as well, which is the next story in the same chapter. And again, this is real people, real life situation, and how do you deal with tragedy and how do you want to come out on the other side of the equation? And I thought these two stories goes wonderfully very well with each other because both suffered losses and both found a way to somehow to help themselves as well as the community. Yeah, yeah, they were very powerful stories. The next chapter is The Wonders of a Positive Attitude, How My Son Helped Me Stand in My Truth by Melissa Harrison. So this is a story that will make some people uncomfortable, but this is a reality today. Mm -hmm. This woman talks about the fact that from the moment that her daughter was born, her daughter never really liked girl clothes, girl things, uh, wanted to wear boys' clothing, wanted to do boy things, wore her hair very, very short, liked it when people thought she was a boy instead of a girl. And once this woman's daughter became a teenager, she said to her mom, Mom, I want to become a boy. I have always believed that I was a boy. And so her mom came around to accepting it. And in the story, she refers to her child as her son throughout the story. And um, she's now supporting her son as he goes through the medical process. Mm-hmm. Um, to stop being a girl and to become physically and hormonally a boy. Um, and so it was a story about a mother really finding that inner strength to help her child who found his inner strength. And she says that her son has shown her how to live honestly and unapologetically as yeah himself and she's learned to live honestly and unapologetic well apologetically as herself and she said children are more than gifts and blessings they are teachers mm-hmm. so true i chose this story because i wanted to point out to people this is about real people real situation we're not here to endorse anything either way at least for me for myself for my show and i believe you feel the same way amy but we're here to provide stories that people can connect out there Whatever that may be, your current challenges are. You're not alone. There are people out there, and you can use chicken soup stories to connect with these people to give you the inner strength to address your current situation and hopefully help you make the right decision in your own life. It really gives you perspective also. You read about what some of these other people have gone through, And you realize that whatever you're going through is nothing compared to what these people have gone through. And these people honestly describe the obstacles they faced, 
the emotional challenges they had, all of these traumatic things that happened in their lives, and talk about it matter-of-factly without being sorry for themselves. And you say, wow, this person is sitting here and writing about this and writing about how he or she came out the other side, a better person, a happier person. My little problem is nothing. I can definitely handle whatever is going on in my life. Right, right. The next chapter is Recognizing Role Models. It Doesn't Hurt to Smile by Katrina Ann Willis. I love this story. I Mm -hmm. really try to do this in my own life. Uh, because I have read a lot of stories about this, and even before I started working as Chicken Soup for the Souls editor-in-chief, I was doing this, and this is about deliberately smiling at people, no matter how your day is going, just deliberately smiling at people. If there's a crabby clerk at the store, (laughs) smile at the crabby clerk. It's amazing how it will turn things around. I always say a smile is like a boomerang. You send one out there, it comes back to you. So this woman, Katrina, talks about her 83-year-old mother-in-law who has the normal aches and pains of an 83-year-old, and it doesn't feel good. (laughs) And she's talking to her mother-in-law about how she's doing, and her mother-in-law says, you know what I've discovered? It doesn't hurt one bit to smile. So I'm smiling at everybody. I may not be able to do all the things that I used to do, but I can certainly smile at people as I go through my day. That's how I can be a useful member of society and brighten someone's day. Mm-hmm. And her mother, um, her mother-in-law, really get, gets her thinking about how you can just, you know, practice everyday kindness and empathy. Um, you can be kind to people in little ways that aren't going to hurt you. And every time you're kind to somebody, you feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And Katrina even wrote a list of things that she learned from her mother-in-law about how you should change your perspective. And and I'll read you the list. She said you should change your perspective from inward to outward, right? Don't just think mm-hmm. about yourself all the time. Look out at the world. Change your perspective from giving up to giving back, change from self-consciousness to global awareness, change from closing our minds to opening our hearts, and change from no thanks to yes, let's. We had a number of stories in this book about people writing about their older relatives and Mm -hmm. saying, I love the fact that they never say no to anything. They're always willing to try new things. (laughs) And saying, yes, let's try that. Okay, I'll do that new thing. It's It's a huge life changer. She also says, change your perspective from judging people to accepting people. And boy, does that make your life easier, right? If you're walking around judging everybody, all you're doing is introducing negativity into your life. Mm -hmm. If you just accept, you stop all that negative thinking that impedes you, and you just move forward unencumbered by all those negative thoughts. She says, switch from self-importance to humility switch from caring about things to caring about people, and Mm -hmm. switch from indifference to love. So I thought that Katrina's story was very powerful for our readers on many, many levels. That's story 95, so when you're on day 95 of your 101, (laughs) you're going to get that great list of things that will reinforce everything you've learned from the book. 
It's a beautiful story, and it's about living, and it's about having a little nugget in life, a nugget of wisdom in every day of your life. It's just a beautiful story from that perspective. The next story in the same chapter, Recognizing Role Models, Finding Strength in Love by Holly Wilkinson. So this was really interesting because um, Holly's mother was really extraordinary. Holly's mother uh, was bipolar, and somehow, even though she had that mental illness, she managed to be a good mother anyway. She really worked hard to control her disease, and she um, worked multiple jobs. She made sure that she got to school for the kids you know, parent-teacher meetings. She um, did everything possible, even though she was combating this very serious serious mental illness. And Holly learned from her mother's example to take care of her own mental health because Holly believes that she got some of her mother's mental health issues also, and so she's learned how to go and seek help without shame or apologizing for it. And now her mother is in great shape, and she actually joined the National Alliance of Mental Health. She is part of of a fundraising for mental health. She didn't even realize her mother was the vice president of her association. And so she really views her mother as an amazing role model um, who had a lot of courage and strength to power through her own mental mental illness and Holly says that her mother will forever be a hero to her. It's just a beautiful story. And again, I love the quote that Chicken Soup have chosen for this particular story. You have to be brave with your life so that others can be brave with theirs. And it's by Catherine Center, The Gift of Imperfection. It just speaks volumes. I know you're going to ask yeah. me to talk about a story that I really enjoyed a lot in the book that yeah. you didn't choose. So I'm going to quickly tell you about a story called Princess's Posse. And in this story, which is by Peggy Omarzu, Peggy was working, um, she was in veterinary school. She was working in a veterinary clinic as an intern. And one day, and this was in the inner city, very poor area. Most of the people who came in didn't have the money to pay to save their pets' lives. And an elderly woman came in carrying a little poodle that had been attacked by a larger dog. And it was going to cost several hundred dollars to save the poodle's life. And the vet told her that with some regret. And she said, don't worry, I'm going to use your phone. And she started calling people in her neighborhood. And in the middle of the night in this inner city neighborhood, dozens of people started showing up at this veterinary clinic with pennies here, a 20 there, um, you know, $10 there, and they put together all of the money, and the veterinary clinic was filled with dozens of people waiting to see if the poodle made it. And I thought it was so heartwarming about a community mm-hmm. coming together to make something possible. This is what it's all about, is working together as a community. And if we allow our heart to lead the way, you'll be surprised to see what the kind of things that you can really accomplish. And this is just a beautiful story from Peggy, from that perspective. Do you have a personal story that you would like to share with us? Um, I have a story about my mother, which we actually put in our Thanks to My Mom book that came out in 2015, and it's about how Mm -hmm. my mother had a stroke, and I was with her when it happened, so we were able to get her to the hospital pretty quickly 
and give her that miracle drug that stops the stroke. But she suffered um, a, a hit to the language part of the brain, and she has something called aphasia now, which makes it harder for her to understand spoken language and harder for her to find the right words. And I've watched her go through three years of of therapy, support groups, doing homework every night, learning words again. Um, and so that's been my role model for overcoming something traumatic in your life and coming back from it anyway. And without ever being embarrassed, she walks around telling people, I have aphasia, I had a stroke, so I might not understand what you're saying, so write it down for me. I remember that story. We talked about it on our show back in May for Yeah, we did. And I've had a lot of people thank me for that story, saying that they really appreciated a story that told them what to look for in a stroke, what are the Mm -hmm. symptoms, and told them what to do if they see somebody having a stroke. Mm -hmm. So true. What can we expect from Chicken Soup in 2016? Well, we have a number of fabulous new books coming out. And uh, just in the first four months of 2016, I know you and I will be talking about some books. Mm -hmm. where You and I will be talking about a couple of great pet books. One is called Chicken Soup for the Soul, My Very Good, Very Bad Cat. (laughs) One is about My Very Good, Very Bad Dog. And those books are going to benefit the American Humane Association. We'll be sending them part of the proceeds from selling those books. Then we're going to be talking uh, in March about... uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul for Mom with Love. And mm-hmm. we're using that book as a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. And that's going to be a great Mother's Day book. And then we're going to mm-hmm. talk about a book in April called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Joy of Less, which is all about getting rid of all that stuff in your life, getting rid of all those time commitments, learning to say no so that you can say yes to the things that matter. So we have, and we have a bunch of great books coming out after that, which you and I will be talking about. Mm-hmm. We also mm-hmm. are continuing the growth of our line of dog food and cat food. We came out with grain-free foods recently, so you'll be seeing us in more and more stores. We have a really wonderful anti-bullying program based on reading our stories and then responding to them, and that will be um, showing up in schools all over the United States. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Then we have our television show, Chicken Soup for the Soul's Hidden Heroes, that's on CBS weekend mornings and is getting really good ratings. You'll you'll be seeing that show continue and probably more television shows from us in 2016. And then there's our movie coming out at the end of 2016. So it's it's going to be a really exciting year for Chicken Soup for the Soul where we take our storytelling and we start using it in other ways, in TV in the movies, in this anti-bullying program, because the storytelling um, transfers from our books to a lot of other um, mediums as well. I thought 2015 was just fantastic for you guys. Apparently 2016 will be the cherry on the icing. (laughs) Yes, right. That's right. It just keeps getting better and better. You really can't lose with these stories, right? These Chicken Soup for the Soul stories are just so powerful that we keep thinking of new ways that we can use this amazing content and reach people um, wherever they are. If they're sitting in front of a screen, well, we'll reach them on the screen. If they want to read a book, we'll reach them in a book. If they want to have a great moment feeding their dog, we're there too. (laughs) Fantastic. Since this is the last show of the year, you have the honor in sharing 
How to Live Our Life in a Much Better Way, Recipe for Living Life for 2015, going into 2016. So, Amy, here's your chance to tell us the wonderful recipes for living life. Well, here are five ways that you can use positive thinking to improve your life in 2016. And these are tips that I picked up from reading Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Possible. So the first one is to follow your heart and listen to your gut. The second one is accept that there could be a new path to success. Remember that guy who didn't make it into the NFL but then became a firefighter. So there's always a new way to get to your goal. Third thing is tell yourself good things. Repeat those positive mantras to yourself. Accept that your daydreams are visualizations of what could happen. Um, another tip would be don't be afraid to try and fail because failure just yeah. means you're trying. You can't you can't succeed if you don't try. Um, and a fifth thing would be confront your fears, fears of doing something new, fears of doing something adventurous, fears of failure. Confront your fears, and the moment you confront them, you can push them aside and move forward. Those fears are like an obstacle that you need to kick to the side so you can walk on down that path. Fantastic. Amy, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living life. It's always been a pleasure. Thank you again. Have a blessed day, and happy 2016 to you and your loved ones. Yeah, happy New Year to everybody <laughs> for 2016. To all our listeners, thank you for being with us. Please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Marie Jagopoulos. She is an intuitive counselor, healer, and spiritual mentor. Marie will be hosting and conducting her bi-weekly Meditation for Moms series and talk about her worldwide consciousness movement, Meditation for Moms. In this show, Marie will guide you on how to align with your vision as a mother and a woman by releasing negative energies blocking your way to a successful New Year. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week and happy 2016. Bye.